Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling. The Minnesota Golden Gophers got their first win in 2020 this last Saturday. And in a big way, might I add, the Gophers went into Illinois and laid a beat down on the fighting Illini, winning by a score of 41-14. The start of this game was pretty much back and forth and uneventful for a bit. In fact, the, four, four, the first four possessions sorry, saw three endings by punt and one by a Minnesota fumble. But the Gophers did manage to score with about three and a half minutes left in the first quarter. As backup running back, Trayson Potts had a nine-yard touchdown run for the game's first score and only his second touchdown as a Gopher. The Gophers wouldn't look back after that score as they kept their feet on the gas in this one. Not too much later in the game, Rashad Bateman would catch his first touchdown pass of the 2020 campaign off a five-yard pass from Tanner Morgan to make it a 14-point game, not even two minutes into the second quarter. That would also be Morgan's lone TD throw of the day as the Gophers' rushing game was added again for the second straight game. In this game, all four of Ibrahim's touchdowns were all ran in within five yards, even though Mo, as they call him, had nine runs of 10 yards or more in this game, which was astounding. However, the Gophers' number one, two, and three running backs all got in on the fun in this one, as all three of them would finish with at least 45-plus yards. Junior Muhammad Ibrahim led the way with his second straight 200-plus yards game and four four touchdowns game, 224 yards to be exact on 30 carries. Redshirt freshman Cam Wiley had 57 yards on 9 carries. And freshman redshirt uh, Trayson Potts finished with 49 yards and that touchdown carry on just 3 carries as well. The Golden Gophers defense came up big in this game as well as they dominated Illinois' offensive line most of the game. Coming into this last Saturday's game, the Gophers defense only had 2 sacks on the year. But against Illinois, you could tell they were bringing more pressure on the quarterback as they accounted for four sacks against Illinois' quarterback, Taylor Curran. And if that wasn't enough, the Gophers' secondary stymied Taylor's receivers throughout the game, holding Curran to only six completions on 17 attempts and a mere 106 passing yards. The Gophers' stud wide receiver Rashad Bateman would also finish the game with his one touchdown and 139 receiving yards on 10 catches for his second 100-plus receiving yard game already this early season. Also, at the end of this game, we have some milestone alerts. So after this game, junior quarterback Tanner Morgan moves into sole possession of 7th all-time on the career passing yards leaderboard with 5,256, and 4th all-time on the career passing touchdowns leaderboard with 42. Junior running back Muhammad Ibrahim is in lone possession now of 7th all-time for career rushing touchdowns with 27, and he's a mere 11 yards away from 10th all-time for career rushing yards, knocking off Gary White from the late 1970s teams. And lastly, junior Rashad Bateman is now in sole possession of 7th for all-time receptions with 135. 
He's also 7th for all-time receiving yards with 2,225. And he's also in sole possession of 5th all-time for all-time receiving touchdowns at 18. So lots to be excited about. And hopefully we can see these Gophers climb their ranks the rest of the year. And maybe we'll all see them come back for their senior year. <laughs> Doubtful, but we'll see. At the conclusion of this game, the Illinois Fighting Illini will travel to New Jersey to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at 11 a.m. this Saturday the 14th. As for the Gophers, we will play host to our neighbors to the south, the University of Iowa Hawkeyes at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Now, onto the preview of the 114th battle for the Floyd of Rosedale. For the first time this year, the Gophers will take on a team fresh off of a win. The Hawkeyes are coming into tomorrow night's game against the Gophers after a strong 49-7 win over the Michigan State Spartans that saw a defensive touchdown and special teams touchdown from them. The Hawkeyes' defense came away with three interceptions, running one of them back for a touchdown. They also came away with a pair of sacks as well. However, on the offensive side, Iowa was led in this game by sophomore running back Tyler Goodson, who ran for 113 yards and two touchdowns on only 14 carries. And sophomore quarterback Spencer Petrus, who completed 15 of 27 passes for 167 yards and one touchdown. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are coming into this Floyd of Rosedale game holding the all-time record at 62-49-2. The bad news, coming into tomorrow night's Iowa game, Iowa has won the last five Floyd of Rosedale trophies with the Gophers' last win coming back in 2014. However, the last five times the Gophers have won it, it has been in Minneapolis, and tomorrow night, you bet the Gophers will be looking for their first Floyd of Rosedale trophy of 2020. RTB Skyumago Gophers. Only new news on the Twins front, uh, Kenta Maeda came up short in voting for the AL Cy Young uh, this year. Unfortunately, Cleveland's Shane Bieber beat out Maeda for the award. I don't believe I mentioned this last week, but Maeda is actually the first twin to be named a finalist for the Cy Young since all the way back in 2006 when Johan Santana was a finalist. And Johan would actually go on and win it that year for us. But like we mentioned last podcast, a huge accomplishment nonetheless just to be named a finalist. So once again, congratulations to him. MLB-wise, it still looks like spring training is still on track to be starting on February 27th. And the 2021 season to be starting on April 1st. So for all you baseball fans out there, we're still 107 days from spring training and 140 days until the 2021 season starts. Now on to hockey. Um, As of Tuesday, it sounds like the NHL with Commissioner Gary Bettman are actually considering a temporary realignment of the NHL teams right now just for the 2020-2021 season due to the COVID-19 travel restrictions. Bettman said Tuesday that restrictions on travel across the Canadian border, as well as limitations in terms of quarantining when you go from certain states to other states within the United States, could mean the NHL could potentially create more regionalized alignment for its upcoming season. It also sounds like they're now considering some new scheduling options too, so 
once again, nothing set in stone, um, but there is talks that there will be some change, at least for this upcoming season. So more info to come on that front as I hear. And it also sounds like January 1st is still a targeted date. And another thing I didn't realize until just a couple minutes ago before I got on, the Seattle Kraken are scheduled to start playing in the 2021-2022 season. So not this upcoming season, but next. So it'll be interesting to see how everything um, transpires with expansion draft, getting all them set up with everything. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But other than that, that's all we have on the NHL. And no, unfortunately, new news on the Wild. But like I said, we will keep you posted as I find out more. Now on to the Timberwolves. So the Timberwolves themselves have been very hush-hush on what they themselves are going to be doing with that number one pick they have in this year's draft. However, I've been reading a lot of articles and seeing what a lot of other people around the NBA think they will be doing. And it seems like the consensus around the league is teams and GMs are under the assumption, unless there is a trade that happens prior to us actually making the pick, that we'll be taking LaMelo Ball, which is now what I will what I believe will happen, um, that we will draft him as LaMelo Ball has actually conducted an individual for the Timberwolves in Southern California just a day ago, which in fact was the only workout he's done for an NBA team yet. And we're only days away from the draft now. Actually, before I got on here, I saw on ESPN that it sounded like he held workouts for Golden State, Chicago, and Charlotte as well, who all have one or the second, third, and fourth picks. Um, so he's been working out for more people. But like I said, we're we're a couple ways from the draft now. We haven't made a trade, so unless, like it's it's not huge news because there there was he was one of the three that is the consensus. It sounds like we will be taking him. So. It'll be a, a, a couple exciting days coming up to see if a potential trade does happen and to see the Wolves' number one first overall pick since 2015. However, NBA-wise, it is now official, folks. As of about 10 p.m. Central, Central Standard Time, back on Tuesday, November 5th, the NBPA, which is the National Basketball Players Association, or yeah, Players Association, agreed to start the 2020-2021 season on Tuesday, December 22nd, and it will be a 72-game shortened season. I can also confirm amongst all the four major sports, this will uh, is going to be the shortened, shortest off-season ever between the four major sports. So, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how everything works out, but the article I read said they don't have a definitive day for the final day of the regular season yet. But it did go on to mention that with the start date that we have in mind and the shortened schedule, that they are indeed on track to play the NBA Finals in June once again. And they went on to mention that this, the starting one they will, and the amount of scheduled games will also help the NBA excuse me, get back to their typical NBA schedule starting with the 2021-2022 season. And I also do know that similar to the NHL, there have been talks about 
not realignment, but more regionalized games. So you're, we're not going to see a lot of you know Los Angeles Clippers or Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Brooklyn Nets or New York uh, Knicks or Charlotte Hornets or things like that. So it'll be, once again, interesting to see how that all works out. And on that note as well, this last Monday, the NBA and NBPA also announced that they agreed on an updated CBA agreement for next season at about 11 p.m. on Monday. And with that, that means that starting on Friday, November 20th at 6 p.m., free agency will officially start, but signings won't be allowed until Sunday, November 22nd at 12.01 p.m. So now that all that has been taken care of, we're... Like I mentioned earlier, a mere six days away from the November 18th, 2020 NBA draft. 19 days away from the December 1st day for training camps to get opened. And 40 days from the start of the 2020-2021 season. So as of now, NBA-wise, basketball-wise, I think the only thing we don't know are schedules. But I'm I'm sure uh, everybody in charge of that is working overtime to try to get them out by the time training camps open up at the beginning of December, I would imagine. Also, something new for everybody this week. It is Masters weekend, people. All you golfers, I'm sure we're watching, or at least a little bit, or, or most of it, at work today on phones. It's It's got to be bittersweet. I know it's seven months late, but it's Masters weekend nonetheless. I've been reading up on the Masters uh, myself, getting antsy for it, and it sounds like we're in store for a good one. Day one has been fun to watch, highlights of, highlights of and some good shots, some bad shots, uh, but it's been different. We even have an hour of two, hour or two of rain delays in this morning that didn't help because it looks like not everybody finished today. So... Like all of us know also, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, there will be no fans this year. And it sounds like players are kind of split about that, whether it'll help their game or hurt their game. I'm sure some of them like to ride the wave of the fans' emotions, just like I'm sure some of them feel the pressure when they're being watched on the 12th tee by thousands of eyes. On that note, I also saw a message on Twitter that the commissioner of the PGA announced, um, even, I mean, it's it's not far away, but he already said there's no guarantee that there's going to be anybody allowed to come to the 2021 Masters. So even if they're not, this one will be a good getting ready for them. Regardless, it'll be a far from different feel to the broadcast and the views that we've ever seen uh, before from having the Masters in the fall versus the beginning of April. So it'll be very, very interesting, and it's been fun so far. For those of you betters out there, the U.S. Open champion Bryson DeChambeau came in as the favorite before the weekend started at at plus 750. Right behind him at plus 850 is Dustin Johnson. John Ram is plus 1,000. Justin Thomas isn't far behind at plus 1,100. And to round out the top five, Rory is plus 1,200. And legend Tiger Woods comes into the weekend at plus 3,300. So 
Like I said, it'll be a great day. It looks like as of right now, Paul Casey is in a lone number one spot for at, at top of the leaderboard with seven under. And it looks like we have a one, two, three-way tie for second with Webb Simplin. Sorry, Webb Simpson, Xander Sheffle, and Justin Thomas all at five under. And then we got a bunch of people down here, Matsuyama, Westwood, Oosthuizen, Reed, and Tiger uh, at four under along with Wolf, Scott, Fratelli. And that rounds out all those guys tied for top five. So, or fifth tied for tip, fifth place. So we're in store for a good one. I think it'll be fun. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see Tiger Woods win number 19. Maybe we'll see someone come out of the woodworks that's that nobody expected. And then again, maybe it might be a Justin Thomas or Patrick Reed or someone who's already done again, just not as much as Tiger. So it'll be a fun weekend. How about them Vikes? Wow. Currently riding a two-game winning streak and both against division opponents as well. I mean, wow, what what a week uh, from not only the offense, but also the defense of our Minnesota Vikings. I have to say, after watching last week's game, excuse me, it's nice to finally see this defense coming alive a bit. We came away with three interceptions. Harrison Smith got a second of the year, and linebackers Eric Wilson and Eric Kendricks both got a pick two. And came up big in big ways. Both those guys have been apparent, making plays on every, making something happen on every single play. So it's 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 huge. You come to expect that from Kendricks with how great of a season he had last year. But Eric Wilson, it's it's incredible to see this guy. It's incredible to see him show up. I think he was he had a pretty good year last year, but. I don't think anybody expected this out of him, so it's 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 definitely fun to see that happen. So now Stafford did play in week one or <laughs> this last game, so only one of those picks was courtesy of Chase Daniels. The reason I bring that up for those that listened last week as well was because I predicted Chase Daniels was gonna win or was going to end up playing because Stafford was in concussion protocol and um Stafford ended up indeed playing. So we got two picks from Stafford and one from Daniels. Like I said, this defense just also came away. It stymied him with two sacks. Eric Wilson, (coughs) excuse me, Armin Watts, Shamar Stefan, and Hercules Mata'afa all got credited for half of a sack. So congratulations to all of them. Then on the offensive side of things, my my word, Dalvin was at it again. 252 scrimmage yards, 206 of them on the ground, and ran for two touchdowns. Even Alexander Madison was getting it done on 12 carries. He had 69 rushing yards, and that was and that featured a long longest of 18 yards. So we would go on to end a game with rushing for 55 more yards than passing. 
by rushing 14 more times and passing as well. So, weirdly enough, the Lions didn't have a terrible game. I didn't think they played sucky. We just we stopped them on third downs. Um, I mean, if you really look at if you really look at <clears throat> the stats, Stafford threw for over 200 yards. Chase Daniels had almost 100 himself, 94 to be exact. And between the two of them, they did throw two touchdowns. They also threw three interceptions. Um, and they also eclipsed the 100-yard mark on the ground, courtesy of DeAndre Swift, Kerryon Johnson, and the ex-Viking, Adrian Peterson. Like I said, the Vikings just happened to be a better team. It was uh, throughout the entire game. It was it was a good team win, and it was um, it was nice to see it all come together for a second game in a row. Kirk himself also finished with a nice game. He he didn't do terrible. He finished 13 of 20 through the air with 220 passing yards and three TDs, two of which were to Irv Smith Jr. However, no one would finish with more than three receptions. Only Justin Jefferson and Kyle Rudolph finished the game with three receptions. And no one would even finish with 70 receiving yards. J.J. led all receivers with 64 yards on his three catches. And with that, let's check in with the one bold prediction, or the bold prediction from last week. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I believe last week my offensive one did not come true as no one receiver got 80 yards. And I believe I said J.J., and Thielen were both going to have 80-plus yards, so that didn't happen. But defensively, we did get three picks. So at least I was one for two, right? Now, really quickly, before we go any further, I know we had, like I mentioned, we had a great team game this last week, and we were coming off two impressive division wins. But I do want to talk briefly about something that I had little concern of going forward. Now, Before I get into it, I want to set the record straight. I know we have Delvin Cook. I know Delvin Cook is arguably the best back in the league right now who should be up for MVP consideration. And we are a run-first team that uses the run to open up our passing attack. I get that. Excuse me. But with the kind of quarterback that Kirk is, we need to have him throwing the ball a little more consistently and more often. The reason I say this is because Kirk missed a very easy touchdown throw to Thielen at the two-minute warning in the game on fourth down to turn the game to turn the ball over on downs. Now I know what a lot of people are thinking. You know, Jack, the game was already over. We didn't need those points. You guys are completely right. However, after that ball was led to Thielen too far and ultimately fell incomplete, even the announcers made the comment that it wasn't a very great thrown ball and it looked rusty. But this is why. It was probably because, they stated this, it was his first throw in over 20 minutes. Now, like I said, don't get me wrong. I still want Delvin to get his touches with how good he is, and he will still rack up big games. I I, I don't have any doubt of that in my mind. But Kirk needs to pass more, and we need to, we need to have him tossing the ball more simply because there will be teams 
that will stop at nothing to stop the run. There are going to be teams that we run into going down the stretch saying that don't have a problem saying, "Hey, if we're going to lose this game, we're okay with them lo- we're okay with losing this game because they threw on us. We're not going to have them run all over us." Which that that happens sometimes. Now, now don't get um so with that we need Kirk's arm to be fresh and loose more. He's not, I can't even believe I'm going to say it. Drew Brees, he's not. Aaron Rodgers, he's not. Lamar Jackson, like, now don't get me wrong. Some of these better quarterbacks are better quarterbacks because they've never had an established, I shouldn't say established, as good and as effective of a running game as we potentially do right now. But what those quarterback also understand is if you get into positions like we were last week and um where you're trying to run down clock you're gonna run the ball a lot in fourth quarters so why not toss the ball and create the defense in it's the typical you run a lot to get the defense to commit to the box then once they're committing to the box you pass to take advantage of it and then they're stuck in this pant you know they're stuck in this Pandora's box saying, what the hell are they going to do? They got guys they can throw to. They got a running game. How are we going to beat them? And then that's when you shove it down their throat. So with that, uh, talking about this reminds me of a question we actually had this week. So one of my family members, Katie, asked me a question. She said, you mentioned we beat the Packers last week on your podcast by going with our run game. But our JJ, Justin Jefferson, and Thielen going to be mad or disappointed we can't focus on our passing game as much and get disgruntled or want to trade? First of all, great question, Katie. Short answer is no, I do not think that will happen. Unfortunately, we did see that happen last year with Diggs. He wasn't happy with how much we were running the ball and his lack of touches, so we just traded him. Now, a lot of people, including myself, you can look at that and say, well, you know, what a selfish diva. You know, get, get, get him the hell out of here. What Diggs, I don't know if he didn't want to admit it or if he just had a hard time run, a hard time getting his head around was running the ball with Dalvin. That's what opened him up to get passes. So it's, it's interesting, but so... To elaborate more on this question that Katie asked, for me, when you look at receivers like Thielen and JJ, I think they really are guys that understand for the passing attack and for the passing attack to work and be effective and for them to be their best, Dalvin needs to get going and be his best for that to happen. Plus, we need to remember JJ is a rookie. So... When it pertains to Justin Jefferson, I think at this point, he already loves being a number one or number two guy on the team he's on, depending on the game. And he's just relishing in the moment. He does, he, and he just wants to continue to get better. He's, he's learning day to day. And when you see him out there, he doesn't seem like, even though he was drafted in the first round, he doesn't seem like a kind of guy that is overly dramatic about his touches quite yet. Now, and then for Thielen, not only do I truly do believe he is a team player, but he's a Minnesota boy. So I truly do believe he'll be for the Vikings what Joe Maurer was for the Twins. 
as long as he wants to continue to play, excuse me, as long as he wants to continue to play and we don't dog him with pay, I just can't see him wearing any other colors in this league other than purple and gold. I mean, I he just turned, geez, he's my age. I didn't realize that. 30 years old. He just turned 30 in this off season. So depending on how healthy he can stay, I mean, I think if he wanted to, he could play for five, six more years. Seven years might be pushing it. But, I mean, hey, I... I don't think he'll ever go anywhere. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. And simpler to, and sorry, similar to JJ, he knows he thrives when he's in single coverage. So like we talked about earlier, one of the first things that can help that is by having an established run game. Again, both those guys are great pass catchers. So a lot of the times teams like to double cover them. Well, if they have a guy like Rudolph or a guy like... Um, Irv Smith Jr. that's getting going, you can't double cover them all the time. And similar with a running game. If you have a running game, you can't always double cover one or either of them because you got to put another guy in the box eyeing Delvin. So it'll, you know, it'll be interesting. But like I said, I think they, they both know they thrive when they're in single coverage. And one of the first things that, that can help, like I said, is, is an established run game. Not, not, not just from time to time, but game in and game out. So once again, great question, Katie. But I think for right now, at least our offensive core of Dalvin, JJ, and Thielen, they just love playing together. And I think they know they can be something special if they just keep playing their brand of football. And we can't forget, we really can't forget, in football, chemistry is huge. You think about... I saw, you know, a lot of football people saw that A.B. signed with Tampa Bay. He, he's, he's so talented, but he's a locker room cancer. So football chemistry is like a legitimate thing. It's not just something that people talk about. It's a legitimate thing. Um, so I see these three celebrating together and acting the way they are on the sidelines and then on the field with each other, helping each other up and, you know, getting together with each other. They seem like they love to be doing who they're playing with, you know? And when they don't, you see some of them on the sidelines like Diggs was last year, which I'm not trying to call him out. I th- I think he's still very talented. He's fallen out with Josh Allen, who's unfortunately having ankle surgery and might be done for the year. But he's he, he's balling out in Buffalo. I don't think anybody ever questioned whether he had the talent, but he... um. You know, you could just see there were games. He he looked like he was just checked out. And I don't see Thielen like that. I don't see Dalvin like that. And that's the great thing. Like, Dalvin is a great back. And I Dalvin is very understanding that, hey, there might be games where, you know, we can only give you in the first three quarters or three first two and a half quarters, we're only going to give you half the touches. But that... But that's because we're going after the passing attack. And then, again, like I said, if you're up 14, 17, 20 with the ball in the fourth quarter, that's when you run. You drain that clock. So I don't think we should be worried unless, like I said, we see someone on the sidelines like Diggs was. So So with that, I figured we'd get into checking in on our only and last existing 2020 season prediction, which was Justin Jefferson beating Randy Moss's rookie record. 
of 69 receptions. So at the conclusion of this game and halfway through the season, halfway through the season, Justin Jefferson now has 34 receptions on his rookie campaign through eight games, which also means he's got 36 to go to beat Randy Moss's rookie record. So he's still on pace. It's an average of four and a half. And while talking about this too, I realized we are now halfway through the season for the Vikings. So I thought we'd take a quick minute and check in on some of the guys. So Kirk now, through eight games, has a completion percentage of 65.5. He's got just, he's just shy of 1,900 passing yards. And he has 15 throwing touchdowns on the season. Excuse me, and 10 interceptions on the year. Delvin Cook is leading the way for us with 858 rushing yards. He's also leading the way with 12 TDs. Mind you, those are both first place for the league as well. With that receiving, is kind of fun to see this happening. So Thielen's actually leading the way with receptions with 37. But Justin Jefferson is leading the way with 627 yards on 34 receptions. With Thielen's 37 receptions, he's only got 480 yards. And Thielen is amongst the best with seven, excuse me, seven receiving touchdowns despite not getting one in the last two weeks. Justin Jefferson has three. And that is where we are at with receiving. As of now on the defensive side of things, Eric Kendricks is on track to blow out his record last year. Right now he is on pace for 168 total sacks. He's got 59 solo sacks and 84 total sacks, which is just honestly, or sorry, not sacks, tackles. I'm so sorry. Uh, despite not playing for us for the last, what, three games now or something like that, Yannick Ngakwe still leads the way for us with five sacks. Right behind them, both Eric Wilson and Ifedi Ogdenabo are tied with two and a half. DJ Wanham has two. And then from there, we have James Lynch and Holton Hill with both one. And then Armin Watts, Hercules Mataafa, Shamar Stefan, and Julio Johnson all have half sex, which is awesome. And then I think last thing is interceptions. Right now we have one, two, three, four, five, six interceptions on the league. Eric Wilson's leading the way with three. Harrison Smith has two, and Kendricks has one from this last year or this last week. So good stuff to be seeing. And hopefully those numbers get even bigger as we get uh, going on this second half of the season here. So, with that said, this upcoming week, us Vikings fans actually have to wait an extra day to see the team in action as the Vikings will be playing the Chicago Bears for Monday Night Football. The Bears are coming into this week's matchup with a 5-4 and four record and have currently lost three games in a row right now. So the opposite of us. Two of them being one possession games, and if that isn't bad enough for the Bears fans, they're starting running back David Montgomery. Excuse me, right now is currently in in concussion protocol. He is leading them with 131 carries coming into this game, with only 472 yards and one touchdown. So, needless to say, I think going into this game, 
the Bears have not really been able to get much of a running game going, so their hope this game is to get that running game going and kind of open things up for Nick Foles. Unfortunately for the Vikings, we have lost four straight games to the Chicago Bears and are actually 0-3 to the Bears since Kirk Cousins has signed with us. And if that's not bad enough, Kirk Cousins is actually 0-9 in Monday Night Football games in his career. So there is that. <laughs> so with the first of our three primetime games in the book and chalked up to a one-point loss, I'm hoping and very hopeful we can turn things around against what seems to be kind of a depleted Bears team. Just like the preseason predictions, I do think we win this one. It seems to me that we're playing on another level right now, that we're out of that we're back out of our bye week, and the Bears just seem to be sliding down the mountain that they somehow started the season on top of. I mean, I think I think this is a big and decisive win, or not just win, but game for us. I think if you look at our schedule going forward, if we're able to beat the Bears at them, this is the rest of our schedule. We got hosting the Cowboys, hosting the Panthers, hosting the Jaguars, going to Tampa Bay, and then hosting Chicago, going to the Saints, hosting the Lions. We already beat the Lions. If we can beat the if we can beat the Bears, we should be able to beat them twice. So if, if like I said, decisive game for us because I think if we win this game, there's no way we can't win one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, there's no reason we can't go on a run right now, which which would be huge for us because right now, yes, we are third in the division, but what a lot of people don't realize, like we've mentioned before, there's an added wild card spot this year with the seventh spot. So what a lot of people don't know is, yeah, we're still three and five. We're only in 10th place right now. So Chicago and San Francisco are the only teams between us and the LA Rams in that last wild card spot. So a lot, a lot can happen. So let's just keep saying wishful thinking. <laughs> so with that, bold predictions. Offensive side of things, I think Delvin has his third straight game with 225 plus scrimmage yards. And on the defensive side of things, I think we hold Chicago to under 100 rushing yards. And then for the actual prediction, I think we will win this game 27 to 17. I think Kirk Cousins will show that he's good at hitting and tossing the ball off to Delvin Cook, but I think I don't think going 1 and 9 in Monday Night Football will prove that he is, you know, anything of a great quarterback, but I think it'll show that, you know, he's able to get it done and make it happen. So, last week, for those of you that keep up with the uh, Pickens, I actually did a little better. I guessed seven of the 14 games, right? So I know 50% is still failing, but that's not bad for the football games. I mean, come on. (laughs) So then for you betters out there, for the sure thing, I'm going to go this week with the New Orleans Saints over the San Francisco 49ers. For me, it just feels like the Saints are going to go on a run. They do this every year, fooling us out of the gate by struggling. 
with Drew Brees kind of flirting with father time and then suddenly ripping off a ton of games. Sean Payton right now is dancing in the locker room and Michael Thomas' problems have magically disappeared uh, and on field and everything's just kind of clicking for him right now. But the defense played its best game of the year against Tampa Bay this last week, which is not a great sign for the 49ers who are arguably the most injured team in football right now. So... Sure thing, I would take the 6-2 and two Saints over the 4-5 and five San Francisco 49ers. Now for the upset. Might surprise a couple people here. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I think, I know Cincinnati does come into this game with a 2-5-1 record. But they're really only been dominated in one of those games, if you really think about it. And they're coming off a pretty convincing win over the Tennessee Titans, who are actually playing, I think their game just started a little bit ago, who are not a bad team. That, and I think the Steelers were dangerously close to that first loss this last week against a depleted Dallas. So, so much that they almost lost to them. So, and let, let me remind everybody, Garrett Gilbert was their quarterback, and they still almost lost him. So Cincinnati, like I said, by no means is a safe play. But, I mean, an underdog nonetheless, I, I think I'm going to take him. So with that, remember, this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you guys have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at miniweekend. And email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter. And feel free to give us a follow on Twitter as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast listening site for updates. And if you like this podcast, give it five-star rating. And if you don't, just keep listening until you would give it a five-star rating. Till next week, Minnie.